We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. It is Friday, July 1st. As I record this, we are also live on YouTube at Oregon Football Max Taurus. So if you guys are here on YouTube, definitely hop in the live chat and let me know what you're thinking, what's going through your head right now as the Ducks and the rest of the Pac-12 really ultimately wait in limbo here uh, after the big news came on Friday that the USC Trojans and the UCLA Bruins would be leaving the Pac-12 to join the Big Ten uh, as it really kind of looks like we are headed in the direction of forming two mega conferences with the uh, the SEC and obviously the Big Twelve, uh, sorry, Big Ten. So what I wanted to do today is uh, is just kind of have a space to to talk about some of the few updates that we've we've gotten so far. Uh, there really hasn't been a whole lot to go on, but I do want to get into some of the statements that have been issued, some of the the tweets and reports that we have been able. Uh, to gather and to see um, as we just kind of wait for, for answers right now. That's what um, that's what everyone's doing right now. I just need one sec while I tweet out the, the live link so that we can, so people know where, uh, where to find us. All right. Oh, sent that off. Okay. So let's see. There's a, there's a lot of stuff that people are, asking themselves that, uh, you know, is kind of coming out right now as we wait for, for new answers here as the PAC 12 and ultimately some other conferences are waiting to find the best option. And they're kind of scrambling right now. My focus looks like it might be a little bit off. Let's see if that helped us might've helped us just a tad. Uh, so I wanted to talk about some of the new updates that we've gotten. Um, so starting off with the PAC 12, the, the PAC 12, did release a statement today following the departure of USC and UCLA. Uh, and it's not much, but it's something. And uh, this is what they had to say. The Pac-12 Board of Directors met this morning and authorized the conference to explore all expansion options. The 10 university presidents and chancellors remain committed to a shared mission of academic and athletic excellence on behalf of our student athletes. That's crazy just to, to see that they're already saying 10 because they've obviously lost uh, two schools now. So um, kind of just reaffirming what we already kind of thought was the case that the Pac-12 is looking into any and all expansion options. 
what, what do you guys think as far as is it possible for the Pac-12 to stay afloat? I definitely find myself more in the boat that the Pac-12 is, is kind of done for uh, at this point with, with this news. And and now it's kind of on some of the, the higher profile schools um, to like Oregon, obviously that's our, our focus on the Ducks Dish pod. Uh, Oregon to, to find their new home, see what's what situation benefits them the most. Um, and then let's the the big thing that was kind of interesting today that came out was um, was something from Dennis Dodd, who's a national football writer for CBS Sports. So let me just uh, pull this up and then I can get it on the screen. So, yeah, this is what Dennis Dodd had to say. He said, Oregon and Washington have been told by the Big Ten that it is standing pat for now, waiting on a decision by Notre Dame. So what do we think about this development? I I think it's pretty interesting because it kind of shows you where the Big Ten's priorities are right now, right? Obviously, USC and UCLA joining the Big Ten, that was a direct response, although it might have taken a year. It was a direct response to the SEC adding prestigious athletic programs, athletic schools rather, in Texas and Oklahoma. Now they have that national reach all the way out to the West Coast with USC and UCLA. Um, But a lot of people were so quick to think after this news broke yesterday, okay, now Oregon's going to be the next domino to fall in this uh, debacle, this saga, whatever you want to call it. I, I, I can't find quite a dramatic enough word to, to really express, in my opinion, how huge this is for college football, college athletics. Um, I, I mean, I shouldn't say my opinion because it's, it's not a unique opinion. This is massive news, right? I just, if you were watching the show yesterday with, with Graham and I, um, I told him afterward, it was kind of hard to, to find words that episode because you're just processing so much information, so many scenarios it is crazy. So uh, with all that preamble, I thought it was pretty interesting to see that the Big Ten more or less with, with this uh, with the um, with this tweet and you know report by, by Dennis Dodd, the Big Ten's more or less saying Notre Dame is the priority for us right now. And I think I understand that, right? Because Notre Dame has been to the playoff more recently. Uh, Notre Dame is a more prestigious football program and probably a prestigious school if if we're being honest than Oregon and some of the other West Coast schools um, that I can understand why the Big Ten would want to move on a school like Notre Dame which has traditionally functioned as an independent but during the pandemic we did see them join the ACC for uh, you know a brief minute in uh, for basketball but now we have to see what's going to happen with Notre Dame and Notre Dame ultimately has a couple options I'm actually going to throw a, uh, a link in the chat um, to a really interesting story that I think uh, a lot of Oregon fans would be interested to read. Um, so just give me a second while I, while I find it. It's a, it's a story written by my good buddy, Brian Driscoll. He's the publisher of Irish Breakdown. Uh, he's a partner site um, with Fan Nation, part of the Sports Illustrated Network. I obviously cover the Ducks and run the Ducks site for them, but he's doing his thing covering the Irish, and it kind of examined some of the options that Notre Dame ultimately finds themselves with now. Um, 
And what was interesting is that he said that it's it's an ideal in his ideal world that they stay um, that they stay independent and stay uh, kind of in the same situation they're at right now. Um, one one thing that I thought was pretty interesting and that you'll read that you'll learn in that story if if you give it a look is that this isn't the first time the Big Ten has tried to add Notre Dame. Um, the the article goes on to discuss how previously before it was even called the Big Ten, uh, it was actually called the um, oh, let me see what was it called uh, the Western Conference, but um, Notre Dame was rejected twice. Um, which was really interesting because now they're coming back and uh, they're saying, Hey, so do you want to join our our conference? And it's, it's interesting because this is obviously a massive money grab, obviously by USC and UCLA yesterday. And then now with these other schools getting contacted, it can't, it just feels like that's the same, uh, the same deal. Um, Wherever this, these people move, that's, that's what's driving all of this is, is money. And I think one of the big picture takeaways for this is just it feels like it's tainting uh, college athletics a bit. And at the same time, though, let's be real, that that's not exactly something new. Right. Um, we we saw how, um, you know, there was there was a lot of obvious uh, money moving around behind the scenes with recruiting for the longest time. And then now we get to the name, image, and likeness era, which kind of just brings it to the forefront a little bit. And it kind of more or less legitimizes it. Then it's all over the place, and now the NCAA is trying to retroactively put in some some regulations to, to kind of calm things down. Um, but yeah, I thought I feel like just as far as Notre Dame, because that's the big focus right now. Um, this is Richard's question: Do we think we're waiting on what Notre Dame does? Yeah, that's that that is what it looks like. Um, you know, after we've gone throughout the day and kind of read the tea leaves, uh, search social media, search the timeline. But here's what I think all this means. With, with Notre Dame being the primary focus for the Big Ten right now, I kind of see it going a couple different ways. I think if Notre Dame joins the Big Ten, you want to find another school that you can bring over um, with Notre Dame, right? You know, this is a conference. You can't be dealing with odd numbers. So I think that if Notre Dame joins the Big Ten, then Oregon becomes next up. To, to join the Big Ten. Uh, and then maybe the Big Ten gets Notre Dame, gets Oregon. If Notre Dame doesn't want to join the Big Ten, then maybe it's a more plausible scenario that we see Oregon and Washington come over together, and maybe that's their backup plan right now. Um, so I, I, I kind of just feel like that's where I feel like things are going right now. Some people are talking about uh, Oregon joining the, the SEC, uh, other people are talking about the Big 12. I actually have a poll right now on my Twitter um, that I think will be of interest to some people. Let me bring up these uh, poll results. So if you guys are watching on YouTube, you can see the poll there on your screen on my Twitter account at mtaurus Sports. I said, Duck fans, which conference would you prefer Oregon join? Options here, obviously, the Big 10, the SEC, the Big 12, and the ACC that was uh, posted about an hour and a half ago, give or take, uh, out here on the West Coast. And it has 286 votes, with 72% of those votes being the Big Ten, 19.9% being in the SEC, 
5.9% being in the big, the big 12 and 2.1% being in the ACC. So if you guys haven't already, definitely go over to that poll and let me know where you guys are coming from and where you want Oregon to go after this huge move by, uh, by USC and UCLA. Let's take a look at the comments right now and see what people are saying. Xander Brown says, Pac-12 is toast. They just need to own it and split up. That's kind of what it feels like, right? Um, I think that's kind of becoming the the harsh reality that a lot of people are are owning up to now. I think you still have a small a small group that is saying, "Oh, well, maybe the Pac-12 can can add San Diego State and Boise State and Fresno State." And no disrespect to those schools, but it just doesn't. It, we don't get the feeling. I don't get the feeling. And I think a lot of other people don't get the feeling that those schools really moved the needle that much. Sure, they've been doing well in recent years. Boise State's kind of, I feel like, one of those Cinderella stories, Cinderella programs when it comes to college football. But none of those are in major markets. And I don't think that they would really join them joining the Pac-12 would really help that much. And, And let's not forget this. Not only are they not in major markets, but the Pac-12 network is still a mess. The Pac-12 media rights deals are still a mess. So even if you add them, how do we know for a fact that they're going to be able to kind of join into this media rights deal and, and still get that that exposure that they definitely deserve? I feel like if, you, if you're a school joining the Pac-12, that's something that you have to ask yourself. How can I confidently move to the Pac-12 knowing that that situation is going to be better than what I'm already in? Um, no quarter tie says, you know, me, we need to move to the big 10 Oregon needs to move to the big 10, 100%. I do feel like that would be the best move for them. Um, not only because you have a couple other former conference, uh, schools in the big 12, but I I don't want to come off as a pessimist here, but how, how competitive would Oregon be in the sec? Uh, I think given the direction of the program in recent years, some of the the trends in recruiting, the coaches that have been brought in, that's kind of the, the, the trend that we see in college football, right? If someone needs a new coach, a school needs a new coach, where are they going to look first nine times out of 10? If it's not already on your staff, more often than not, you're going to be heading to the SEC Big Ten to see where you can find a coach. So I feel like that's an interesting discussion point there in itself. Would Oregon be more competitive in the SEC or the Big Ten? I feel like it has to be the Big Ten, but maybe there are some fans there that that want Oregon in the SEC, in the premier conference for college football. But as great as that could be for for media rights and, and exposure, is it really worth it if you're not putting yourself in a good position to win in an absolutely brutal conference year in and year out? Uh, that's why I feel like right now I'm siding on the the Big Ten absolutely. Mikey G pointing up to to no quarter ties comments. Um, the Slayer says apparently one of my customers is a personal friend of the old commish Larry Scott, and he said Scott is currently laying low. Uh, yeah, um, can't imagine a lot of people really like Larry Scott too much right now, considering he's a huge part of the reason that the Ducks. And the rest of the Pac-12 find themselves in this situation. It's it'd be interesting. You know what kind of story I'd like to see written? I'd like someone to write a story and 
maybe tackle it with the angle column, how Larry Scott could have managed the Pac-12 and prevented something like this. And then Mike, Mikey G said, as he should be in response to Larry Scott laying low. Um, let's see, we got some more here. and see what other people have to say. Mikey G has one. Notre Dame has the best case independent possible. It was built over time. No one can achieve their TV contract and scheduling in this day and age. It would be hard for them to let go of that. Absolutely. I'm, I'm in this boat too. And if you guys read that story from, from Brian Driscoll that I threw in the chat, I kind of just wanted to reference some more of those points because I believe it brings up a lot of good discussion. If Notre Dame doesn't do anything, you know, stays independent, a lot of that work that they probably want to do behind the scenes is what Brian was saying is, is that they should work to build scheduling, um, not alliances or relationships with some of these conferences that are getting poached, like the big 10, like the big 12, like the PAC 12. Um, and they're still going to be able to try to keep those rivalries intact with teams like Stanford and, and USC. Um, and I think just being an independent, you have a lot of flexibility. Um, so the fact that they've been an independent for so long, I think makes it so that they have the ability to, to stand pat and kind of just do their thing in the way that they've been doing it. Um, but I think an obvious scenario where Notre Dame might get their hand forced is if they aren't able to get to the playoff because they're not in a conference or if they aren't able to play certain teams that obviously raise the appeal of their schedule. Xander Brown asks, if Oregon stays in the Pac-12, do they use Clemson as the model? Because they won't have the same resources as even the ACC to compete. Um, let's see. And then the Slayer followed up and said, but how would that be looked at from strength of schedule point of view? Xander said, if you win them all, the strength of schedule doesn't matter. At least it doesn't for Clemson. Yeah, the... I'd be curious to see kind of what you mean, Xander, about the the Clemson model for things because I feel like the ACC they're they're finding themselves in an interesting spot right now because after the Big Ten made this move, you know the SEC is trying to make moves. I'm I'm sure they're eyeing schools like Florida State, like Miami, obviously being schools down there in the in the southeast. Um, so I'm not exactly sure what you mean as the the Clemson model. Um, so let's, let's keep going here. See what other people are saying. Um, he G says big 10 or bust. Um, so the Slayer says the pack reloads with say mountain West teams. I don't see that being a good enough resume for Oregon or whoever wins the pack. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the, the, the growing sentiment, uh, that I think more people need to understand about, I don't want to give up hope on the pack 12. Um, you know, I, I really got into college football when I was in high school, as weird as that is to say, which, uh, 10 years ago, I'm dating myself a little bit. It's, I feel so weird saying date myself. I, I mean, I'm 24 years old, but I was starting my freshman year of high school in 2012. And that's when I really got into high school or sorry, college football. I grew up going to Stanford games cause I was in the Bay area, but it's just weird to wrap my head around uh, the concept of the Pac-12 no longer being there since I'm, you know, West Coast guy growing up out West. But I just don't think that there's any good enough teams that you can bring over to the Pac-12 to, to make it worth people's time and, and consideration, um, especially if the Pac-12 loses some other teams. Like if Oregon leaves, what what 
good win can you can you hang your hat on if you're the Pac-12? I mean, you got Oregon State and, and Utah. Those are two teams I'm feeling pretty good about heading into next year. More so Utah than, than Oregon State coming off of a conference title. But I think that's something that you have to consider. Um, a lot of people are, are mentioning BYU too. Not right now in this show, but I feel like I'm seeing it on social media. But they already are moving to the Big 12, so they find themselves in a, in a difficult spot going to take a really quick break here this is for the the podcast listeners make sure you stick around we'll have more conference realignment discussion after this we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, we're back on the Ducks Dish podcast. I'm your host, Max Torres. Thank you guys for tuning in, whether you're tuned in on YouTube or on your favorite podcasting app. If you guys are here on YouTube, quick favor to ask, just take a second out of your day to smash that like button for us and subscribe to the channel. It is a tremendous help with what we're doing, trying to grow and expand our coverage of the Ducks. And uh, now a big focus is what's next for Oregon and the rest of the Pac-12 after USC and UCLA left. Um, let's see what people are saying. Um, let's see if we got any questions. Um, okay, let's see. Oh, hold on, it jumped to. Um, okay, Xander Brown's question is Max, do you think UO would go to the Big Ten without you, Dub? It feels like there needs to be a duo up north for travel. Um, yeah, just. I would think that Oregon would go to the Big Ten without UW because at this point, it, it kind of feels like it's every man for himself. Uh, I think in this scenario, uh, to answer the question, it kind of goes back to what I was mentioning earlier with if Notre Dame does go to the Big Ten, I feel like Oregon would be next up. So maybe we see uh, Notre Dame and Oregon go together. Or if Notre Dame doesn't go to the Big Ten, maybe we do see that pairing with with uh, UW and Oregon but I want to stick on your point about needing a duo up north for travel. I don't think that you do. I don't think you do need a duo up north for travel because if we're talking about college football, because let's be real, 
that's what's driving the boat here and driving all the discussion is football. You're only playing once a week. So it feels like being geographically spread out. We've seen all those big pic- those pictures of the Big Ten now on a map, all the schools in the new Big Ten now. I don't think it matters that much to have a, a traveling partner uh, like you see with the Pac-12 with uh, their basketball schedule, right? You'll see schools come up to Oregon. Uh, say it's an L.A. school coming up to Oregon. They'll hit Oregon, and then you'll drive 40 minutes, whatever it is, to Corvallis, or you'll hit Oregon and some of the Washington schools. But when you're talking about football, which is the main sport in discussion here, I don't think you need a uh, travel partner. Okay, this was uh, this was back into the Clemson thing. Clemson gets consistently dinged for strength of schedule, but they win all their games, even in a bad conference, and they still get invited into the playoff. If the Pac-12 stays together, that's the idea for the Ducks. Okay, thanks for for clarifying your point. Um, yeah, I think I feel like even though they don't have the the best strength of schedule. I feel like you kind of get a bump because you have won a national championship and you have a really awesome coach and and Davo Sweeney. Um, But that's the thing that's so crazy is that the Pac-12 has been so weak and schools still haven't really been able to run the table. It's, it's been, it's so difficult no matter where you are to string together an an undefeated season. So, I I mean, I guess that is the idea for the ducks, but this kind of goes back to one of my points that I mentioned in a recent story on ducks digest, as far as what, this move means for Oregon. I feel like this move means that it makes the 2022 and the 2023 seasons absolutely crucial because you're playing in a weak conference now. So that's your championship window to an extent. I'm not saying it's only closed off for those two seasons, but if you want to go after that national championship, now is the time to do it because wherever you end up, competition's only going to get harder. And I don't think Oregon can stay in the Pac-12 after this big move. Let's see. Sir Sweets a lot says Oregon must get into one of the two conferences, the SEC or the Big Ten. The Big Ten may be a better fit if UCLA, if USC and UCLA are there, some of the old neighborhood. Yeah, I, I totally agree. You want to be able to end this crazy day and age of change in college football. You want to be able to keep some of that consistency as, as much as you can. Um, I feel like that would really help them if they were able to keep getting those matchups against USC and, and UCLA uh, on their schedule. Maybe we'll have them every year now if they are both in the Big Ten. That's a huge thing that we have to figure out, right? How many conference games are going to be played? Uh, what kind of rotation do we see in this new era of, of uh, the Big Ten? I feel like that's really interesting to uh, to consider. Um, another really interesting point that I just wanted to bring on to the discussion here is that I was listening to the West of the Rest podcast with Blair Angulo and Brendan Huffman, and they were talking about how, um, these big 10 programs had already specifically like Ohio state, uh, Michigan had already been recruiting the West so well. And specifically Southern California, because we know that's the the talent hotbed for uh, out West, right? The main talent bed out West is in Southern California. I wonder how this Big Ten move affects uh, the recruiting industry, the recruiting game. I shouldn't call it an industry, but how this affects recruiting, seeing that this is the point that they mentioned on their podcast that L.A. kids SoCal kids, San Diego, anywhere out West, you don't have to go um, 
you don't have to necessarily leave the West Coast to play Big Ten football, right? Because you can do it at USC, at UCLA, because they have the appeal of playing in that stronger conference now. So I think that's a really fascinating point that I was uh, really excited to, to see them bring up because it's just going to complicate recruiting even more. I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing for Oregon. As of right now, I would say it's not a good thing for Oregon if you're considering it. Um, it's not a good thing for Oregon because they're not in the pack, the Big Ten yet. If they're you know at the present situation, it does not help Oregon that um, that they're not in the Big Ten or the, the SEC. Uh, Nate says, the Big 12 added four group of five teams and is surviving – why can't the Pac-12 do the same? Yeah, so just to get people up to speed, this is a good question. The Big 12 is slated to add four teams from the group of five. Uh, that is BYU, which I guess was an independent, but um, they're going to be coming in. We got BYU. You have Cincinnati, which is a group of five team, the first group of five team to make a run at the college football playoff. You also have Houston. And then the last one rounding out that group, that those four schools, is UCF. I think that the Pac-12 can do the same. I just, I don't think, I don't think the biggest reason, the biggest issue I see with that is that the schools that are quote unquote available, I don't think that there's a group of four schools that you can add to bridge the gap that has, that was already there when the Pac-12 was normal, but the, that the gap that has been expanded or widened since this news broke. So I feel like it's, I hadn't really thought about that too much as far as, you know, having four teams come in to try to keep that thing afloat. But I just feel like they were already so far behind the eight ball, so far behind the rest of college football that I don't think that'll necessarily lessen the the blow enough. Um, oh, the Slayer said, I hope Utah and Oregon get paired up somewhere. That'd be pretty cool to see. Um, what else do we have here? Okay, what's the questions we got here? Uh, Duxney, Dante Moore, ASAP. Yeah, I think Oregon wants to get their quarterback in the in the 2023 recruiting class as soon as possible. Uh, I had a story on Ducks Digest about Dante Moore's performance at the Elite 11 out in Redondo Beach, California. Uh, it is worth mentioning that Arch Manning and Nico Iomaliava were not in attendance, but I'm not saying that to downplay Moore's performance. He was a he was awesome. He was named the SI All-American uh, Elite 11 MVP, the overall event MVP, the Elite 11 named uh, Jackson Arnold, Oklahoma quarterback, the MVP of that event, of the camp. But uh, it really does feel like Oregon's building a lot of steam for Dante Moore, and they're probably just trying to find the right time to give him the green light to, to go public with it is, is kind of what it, I would think uh, if I'm just uh, speculating right now. Um, cause that would just create a huge domino effect. If the ducks can get Dante more. Uh, I, I feel like I'm just thinking back to the tweet that I had earlier in the week, you know, you saw runs from Texas, which was insane. They're still going. And then Washington's getting a lot of commits, but the caliber of the commitments that Washington is getting, I don't think that they're going to match up with what this Oregon staff has planned. Uh, this Oregon staff is pursuing. They've, they've historically, and they're still pursuing different calibers of players. I'm not saying that to put down the, what the Huskies are doing, but I feel like some of those commits are probably of the approach. We just need to get some positive momentum around this program. Last year was a dumpster fire. 
things are not looking good on Montlake heading into next season, just because it, it was such a terrible finish to last year. But hopefully I'm getting my point across. I don't, I'm not trying to downplay UW, but I think that there's a couple of different ways you can look at that run of commitments. And um, I think that Oregon can absolutely one up it. Um, let's see. Let's see. Um, what was the question we had? Um, oh, it was about, I think it was about Oregon being independent. Out of curiosity, would an independent Oregon be really that bad? Um, well, it depends how you want to talk, how you uh, want to say bad, right? Um, I think one of the biggest things that you have to consider if you're Oregon and you do ultimately end up going the independent route, what is our media, what is your media rights package look like? You know, how are you going to get those games pushed out to more viewers? Because ESPN has the, the SEC, Fox has the big 10, um, the ACC. I'm just kind of wondering what's going through the ACC and the big 12's mind right now, because the ACC, they, they probably want to, you know, sweeten the deal for, for the schools that are sticking around right now, because I bet the SEC is calling those schools I mentioned earlier, right? Florida State, Miami, maybe UNC. I think the Carolinas are an absolute talent hotbed. And you already have South Carolina uh, in the SEC. So I'm sure they would love to add UNC as well. But as far as what an independent Oregon would look like, I think I talked about this yesterday. I feel like one pro potential pro of the independent route is that you're able to keep scheduling some of these Pac-12 or former Pac-12 um, schools that you've been playing. Um, remember the Alliance? Kind of just a funny, a funny side note. But you remember the Alliance? How cool that sounded! That that gentleman's agreement. Uh, you know the the handshake agreement. I can't even remember exactly when that came out. I think it was like right. It was right around a year ago. I want to say. I'm actually just gonna search um, what uh what it actually was. Um, let's see. Come on. What um. Okay, August twenty fourth, twenty twenty one. So that was uh, I just found one of my old stories uh, on how it could affect Oregon. I I wonder how it would um would uh, you know improve things. Um, where was I going with that? Wow. Major brain fart. Sorry about that guys. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just hard to, to picture what it's been like. Cause I think, or what it would look like, because uh, I'm just one, you have the money I would think, right. With the Nike connection with, with Phil Knight, um, with that national brand of Oregon, everyone knows that. Oh, when, when you go, regardless of where you go in the country, but I just feel like the schools that have done it, looking at Notre Dame and then uh, BYU, obviously Notre Dame's the gold standard there, pun intended, I guess, um, with the Fighting Irish. Uh, they they got to be the, the example you're striving for. How has Notre Dame done it and how can Oregon mirror that? And I feel like the biggest one has to be getting some really good rivalries that people want to watch year in and year out. So let's apply this to Oregon. What games do Oregon fans want to see every year? Obviously, Washington, that's the biggest rivalry I feel like you have. I think the biggest rivalry is with USC, but um, but that's not like a historic rivalry. You know, usually it's it's Washington, it's Oregon State. Um, 
So you probably want to go for Washington over Oregon State if you're trying to if we're getting choosy here. Um, so I think having some some scheduling flexibility would be very very important. And then continuing to line up these huge non-conference games. I really like Oregon's non-conference schedule this year. Obviously with Georgia, that's big. And then you have Eastern Washington, not as big. Uh, excuse me. And then you have BYU. So. Yeah, I think that's a a scenario that I want to look at much more closely and see how Oregon can or cannot mirror what Notre Dame has done, which is obviously a much more established and much more story program than Oregon football, which I think presents some challenges in the past. Question is, Pac-12 has shunned BYU in the past. Do you think that they make an offer to BYU before they join the Big 12? Um, maybe they do. I feel like you have to consider offering Big 12, offering the, the uh, a spot in the Pac-12 to BYU. They they have the major sports, right, with, with basketball and football. Those fans are, are super, super passionate, so you know they're going to show up kind of whatever, go, whatever uh, happens. Um, I feel like if, if you're the PAC 12, all options have to be on the table, right? That's kind of what the, the, uh, statement that the PAC 12 issued earlier, uh, was getting at is that they're all the 10 university, um, administrations are, are looking at all possible options. So even though the PAC 12 may have shunned BYU in the past, I, I feel like you have to try to make an offer, but again, it goes back to the point that if you're BYU, why do you have confidence in the Pac-12 and what can the Pac-12 offer you that the Big 12 can't? So I think we got to answer that question before we really consider if BYU would even be willing to back out of joining the Big 12 to go to uh, the Pac-12. Let's see. Um, ooh, okay. Interesting question from Gerard. Gerard asks, does possible impending death of the Pac-12 lead to the death of the NCAA, at least for football? If all the schools that matter are in two conferences, those conferences can leave the NCAA and get a TV deal. Gerard continues, if the NCAA doesn't listen to all powerful SEC and Big Ten, e.g. playoff expansion, they can leave the NCAA and make their own league, TV deals, and playoffs. Yeah, this is kind of what I was... um. I think this was another point yesterday when Graham and I were talking uh, just about how look at the direction that, that this is all going. I feel like not only does this, is this a huge inconvenience for any sport that isn't football? um, It makes it hard. um, It makes it hard for um, other sports to, to make this work, to, to be traveling across the country for, for, sports like basketball, sports like baseball. Um, I think that college football is so obviously the driving force here that maybe, I don't know if I'd say the, yeah, I wouldn't say the death of the NCAA, but maybe at least for football. And this was kind of, I feel like this has been brought up before, just about college football being separate from the NCAA, and then you keep all of the other sports in the NCAA. But I think it's just another another reason why it looks like college football is, is heading more and more towards a pro model and that this is all these moves that you're seeing are total money grabs. Um, and uh, people, you can, you can look at the transfer portal and, you know, 
a lot of people, I think they're kind of just trying to call it for what it is as far as just free agency in, in college football. So with, with so many new changes and, and moves being ra- made by money, I feel like it's absolutely possible that we could see college football separate from the NCAA. Am I saying that's likely? No, I am not saying that right now. But I feel like there's so much evidence in front of us, so much that we've seen in the past, I don't know, let's say seven, eight years, right? If you want to date it back to to the college football playoff as kind of being a real game changer. And then so much of what was happening uh, was geared towards the playoff. That's what everyone was trying to get. ESPN was pushing the playoff left and right. I think there's a a lot of reason to believe that that could be the direction that it's heading. Um, I'm not even going to try to lie. I have no idea what would um, what would be required to make something like that happen. But if all of the top premier brands are in the Big Ten and the SEC, um, that's kind of like looking at the AFC and the NFC and the NFL, right? You can kind of find those parallels or the National League and the American League and the MLB. Um and, and I think that it kind of looks like that's the way this is going. I think this is definitely a question I want to dig into more, Gerard. Appreciate the question. Getting a couple super chats. Thank you to, to No Quarter Ty for the, the, the super chat. He says, I owe you this and more for watching you so much. Really appreciate the support, man. Um, super chats are always appreciated and a great way to show your support for the channel. No Quarter Ty has definitely been around here for a long time. Um, kind of feels like with these live streams, you know, I'll be totally honest. I didn't have a ton of stuff prepared for this live stream, but the feeling right now is that it's kind of like when the ducks were in their coaching search and they were looking for Dan Lanning there, there wasn't a whole lot of available information, but we were just trying to kind of go into our community, right? Cause I'm building that community here on the YouTube channel on uh, the Ducks Dish podcast uh, over on Ducks Digest. And um, we're just kind of trying to all sort through this madness. So no quarter tie has been there for, for a long time. So got to say thank you to, to him for his support. Michael Laura with a super sticker. Appreciate the the um, the donation there, Michael. That That's awesome. Um, as you guys can see, like in this live show, you know, the, the comments and questions can get pretty rapid. Uh, but that's a good way a super chat can kind of get your question to the top. I kind of try to answer those first, but we'll take a couple more here uh, on this episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. And then I'm going to have to uh, have to have to get out of here. Uh, Larry says ESPN and Fox are driving the divisions and forming college football into their own pet. I, I can't say I disagree with, with this statement. I feel like ESPN was driving the sport ever since, ever since the playoffs started, right? Because when ESPN was was obviously getting these deals for the playoffs, what happened earlier and earlier in the season? You see them pushing those college football playoff ads. You see them pushing the question, who's in? Who's going to be in the college football playoff? And then what happens after that? You have people having these crazy remarks like um, meaningless bowl game, like, could you have imagined that we would find ourselves in an era of college football when someone was saying that bowl games were meaningless? I feel like even if you're talking about you're talking about really really good players sitting out of opting out of their bowl games because they don't want to risk injury, I totally understand that and I feel like players absolutely 
should have the right to do that. Um, if you're positioned yourself, if you're, if you put yourself in the position to make millions of dollars and um, you're not in a super high profile game, I can understand the reasoning behind that. Um, I think it'd be great to, to see some of those players play just because they're, they're entertaining to watch and, and they're incredibly gifted. But I just mentioned that point. I don't want to attack or, or have it come off. Like I'm attacking players that, that opt out of bowl games, but the playoffs I feel like have kind of become a, a big reason that we're seeing that. And maybe that's another point that uh, Larry's comment here makes me think about what the heck is going to happen to bowl season. Now the, the Rose bowl has always been the big 10 and the PAC 12 champion, but does the Rose bowl still want to have those, those parameters in place? If a PAC 12 champion doesn't include a, a you know, a premier brand or a storied program, I really don't know. I think that's one of the biggest questions that you, another big question that you have to ask yourself, what's going to become of the rivalries? What's going to become of the traditions? What's going to become of the bowl games and bowl season? What's going to happen with uh, the playoff um, system, the playoff format? Is it going to be, is it going to be changed? And then Gerard says, imagine an NCAA list college football would be similar to a super conference and act like a development league for the NFL, I would guess something with a salary cap endorsements and relegation league. Yeah. I think, I think kind of what, what I took away from this comment is that uh, if you do go to a super conference type of a deal, um, man, it's, it's, you have to manage it better than the NCAA manages college football, because how do you, if you do something like that, how can you possibly, make a decision like that and, and not be confident and not be dedicated to managing it better. That's just at that point, you're kind of setting yourself up for failure and you want to have some, some longevity there. Um, this comment says those who say bowl games are meaningless. Don't know whiskey from bourbon. Brooks says college football without tradition and pageantry is not fun at all. I totally agree. I, for a really long time, I'd say probably, since I got into college football in, uh, in high school, um, that's what's attracted me. Like, I remember I, I went to my first Oregon game in 2007 in, uh, in Austin stadium. And, and what made me fall in love with it was just the fact that, uh, that atmosphere at Austin stadium, when you got 50,000 fans, just screaming, roaring, you got the entire city of Eugene, you got people coming from Portland, people coming from all over the country for those games, the tailgating atmosphere, the, the duck driving out on the, on the motorcycle before the game, like so many parts of that are what make college football so special. And I mean, to, to get away from the doom and gloom for a bit, I don't think that those traditions are, are never are going to be, um, you know, lost, you know, Oregon's still going to play in, in Eugene, Oregon as of right now. Um, Cause we haven't heard anything new on that front just yet. But uh, Oregon's still going to be playing at Austin, and they're still going to be able to have those traditions. But it just kind of, you know, the questions that we find ourselves asking, it feels like money is is tainting college football, which you could argue has it has been doing for a while. But a big move like this with like some serious conference realignment, some mega conferences, uh, it just feels like it's it's doing it on a much bigger level in a much bigger way. Um, but I love college football and, and I hope that, um, you know, we can kind of have a way for those traditions and, and those rivalries to, to be 
preserved because that's what makes it so darn special. So yeah, I think that's going to do it for uh, this episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. If you guys want to find more of me, you can follow me on Twitter at that name right there on your screen, mTaurus Sports. Um, and if you guys want to find more Oregon Ducks content, you can check out ducksdigest.com and subscribe there. Got a lot of Oregon football content and Oregon football recruiting content. If you guys are here on the live, uh, please, please take a second out of your day to hit that like and subscribe button. It's a big help to me. And uh, make sure to check out the previous episodes of the Ducks Dish podcast. Like I said, I had that awesome discussion and live show with Graham yesterday when the news broke. I also uh, brought on Oregon 2022 wide receiver signee Kyler Casper. That was about a half an hour episode where he was super, super in-depth and insightful on the recruiting process, why he wanted to come to Oregon, uh, and a whole bunch of other topics. So definitely go check that out. That's available in audio and video form, so you don't have to go too far. And make sure you hit that notification bell for my channel so that you guys are notified and don't miss out on the next live stream that we have. Talking Oregon football, talking Ducks, talking Pac-12 realignment, Whatever it is, we're going to try to hop onto it and uh, latch onto the biggest news and try to keep bringing you guys recruit interviews and all that great stuff that makes it unique. But that'll do it for this episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. Appreciate you guys tuning in wherever you're tuned in. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you in the next one. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.